Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, the ages of all ages, Amen. This is the first Sunday of the new year, of the Coptic month of Tut. And the church has been celebrating John the Baptist this week. John the Baptist was, in many ways, um, the example of what the Christian is called to be in his behavior, in his um, courage, in his stand for the truth, in his transparency, in his refusal of any form of hypocrisy, in his love which is truly without hypocrisy. And John the Baptist manifested to us many beautiful virtues. And that's why the Lord Jesus praises him and speaks of him and saying, you know, among those born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But then he gives us an interesting comparison. He says, but he was least in the kingdom is greater than that. He's greater than he. So if you look at today's psalm, there's something very interesting. It says, O love the Lord, all you his saints. O love the Lord, all you his saints. Now my question is, how do saints love the Lord? How do saints love the Lord? There must be something more. We often have this image of a saint, which is basically a person who is portrayed in an icon. They have this halo around their head, and they look beautiful. They're staring at us, and they don't move. They look like they're either praying or doing something in the icon representing their, their story. And we admire it. We venerate. We remember them. We ask them to pray for us, and so on. So... This is the picture we have in our minds of the saints. But here it says, Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. The saint is someone who loves the Lord. The saint is someone who is not just portrayed in icons. That's why even the fathers teach us that the church is not a museum for saints. But it's a hospital for the sinner. The sinner is a person who has taken it upon themselves to make a resolution with themselves and God, between themselves and God, and say, I'm changing my life around by the grace of God. I'm truly repenting as of this day forward. And even if I fall a thousand times, I will get up another thousand. And I'll keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is the call of the saints. Father Beshoi Kemal, as you heard before, has said that saints are not, or humans, or saints are not humans without sin. They're humans who have struggled against it. They have struggled against sin. They've taken it at a point. Every morning they wake up, a new battle has begun. It's a new battle. A new day, new battle. New day, new battle. They have understood this and they've lived by it. They know. Today is a new battle. If you are a Christian, get ready for, for the battle. Even Joshua, the son of Sirach, says, My son, if you have decided to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. It's going to come. Because the devil will not leave those who are trying to establish the kingdom of God alone. He will have to attack them because they are the main target. Strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. So he will strike where it hurts most because his goal is to strike the kingdom. But 
Again, he does that knowing he has a short time, as it says so in the book of Revelation. And he also knows that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against the church, against God, against that rock-like faith that says no, no matter what, to sin. Even if I have to die fighting, I won't go down without a fight. That's basically the call of the saint, to love the Lord. So love is in action. So when the Lord says an interesting analogy here, if you noticed in the gospel reading, maybe we can show it on the screen. It says that the Pharisees came to see what's going on and the tax collectors came. So you had people of all walks of life, people of every rank in society coming to see what was going on. It says that when all the people heard him, in verse 29, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John the Baptist. So you had people coming, looking at John the Baptist with one way, others coming another way. It's kind of like the peanut gallery. They sit there and all they do is criticize, mock, judge, analyze and come up with their own understanding of what's going on. And that's why the Lord says in verse 31, and the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? What am I going to, if I want to give you an understanding of what the people of this generation look like, what shall I liken them to? What is the, a good analysis of the people of this generation? Now when he says, this generation, it was when the Lord uttered the words, it was when St. Luke wrote them, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it was from every generation onwards, even to you and I this morning, right now, right here, right now, to this generation. To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? So the Lord is giving an analogy to explain the men of this generation. They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. So when John the Baptist came with his way of preaching repentance and the kingdom of God, you said this man has a demon. He doesn't eat, he doesn't drink. He's wearing camel's hair. He's eating locusts and wild honey. He lives in the deserts. He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. You say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So the Lord came preparing the way to show the human being that everyone is welcome at the table. Everyone is welcome to the banquet. Everyone is welcome to the kingdom. The tax collector, the sinner, the glutton, the wine-bibber, everyone is welcome if they're willing. So the Lord basically, he, he portrays himself as the least in the kingdom because he leaves his throne and empties himself completely and takes flesh and becomes one of us. And sits and eats and dines with tax collectors and sinners. And says all are welcome. And that's why the tax collectors and sinners. When they heard John the Baptist. And the preaching they repented. And began to change. And when other tax collectors went from John the Baptist's message. To the Lord's message. They began to follow him. Like Levi the tax collector becomes St. Matthew the evangelist. Apostle and martyr. So you see a, a, a change. There's a healing. There's a transformation happening in the souls of these people. While others, the generation that he was talking about here, and that is us today in many ways, is like children sitting in the marketplace. Why does the Lord use a marketplace as an analogy? 
Why a marketplace? What's so interesting about a marketplace? What happens at the marketplace? They're sitting around. There is nothing other than blah, blah, blah. Talking back and forth. And there is no movement happening. They're just sitting there. It says in the first psalm we prayed in the, in the book of Psalms, Psalm number 1, and it's also the first psalm to pray in the first hour of the Agbeya. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man who decides, I'm not going to sit in sin. I'm going to keep fighting. He's not going to stand in the way of sin, and he's not going to walk in the way of sin, and he's definitely not going to allow himself to sit in the way of sin. Because the way of sin progresses, leading us from walking in it, standing still and contemplating it, and just sitting in it, sitting in the mud. He says, that's the marketplace. Sitting there, doing nothing other than critiquing, analyzing, judging, condemning one another, grumbling against one another, hating one another, being hateful and hating one another. That's what St. Paul said when he spoke to Titus in his letter. He's saying, this is the men of this generation. They don't like anything. They're discontent. Discontented Christians. And yet St. Paul says, Godliness with contentment is a great gain. You cannot be godly and discontent. You cannot be both. It's a contradiction in terms. I cannot be godly truly, living in spirit and truth in Christ, as the Lord exhorted the Samaritan woman to do, and be discontent. Can't work. If there's discontentment, there's something that needs work in my godliness department. There's something there that needs some work. There is a reminder here that St. Paul was saying when mentioning that to Titus, what the Lord is saying when giving the analogy of the marketplace, saying we can't just sit there in the marketplace. But when Levi was called, it says, follow me. He got up, he left the marketplace. He left the tax office and followed the Lord into glory. There has to be a change. Sitting there is not going to change much. Say, well, you stand there talking to us and we're sitting here. That's not the analogy though. This is, not what, this is us together in the same boat, all of us, trying to get out of the marketplace position. Trying to get up and onwards with our walk in Christ. This is the call of every Christian to realize that they're not called to just sit there. That's why St. James told us today in the Catholic epistle, what did he say? Be doers and not hearers only. Because if you're only a hearer, you're deceiving yourself. If you're just a hearer, you're deceiving yourself. You can spend your entire life deceiving yourself. And that's why he concluded the letter by saying, and we spoke about that briefly last week as well, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit widows and orphans in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So you keep washing away, keep washing away, removing every spot, every hint of sin, au fur et à mesure, as they say in French, and to do visit widows and orphans in their trouble. So find who is in trouble and help them. Help them with your smile, help them with your encouragement. Help them with your exhortation. Help them with every way you can that God has given you. Everyone has received the talent or one or, or two or ten or tons. That's why the parable of the talent, there's no, there's no one in the parable of the talents 
who does not receive at least one talent. Everyone has received and everyone is called to trade with those talents. If not, they're not going to be praised at the end of time. They're not going to be praised for just burying the talent underground. They're not going to be praised for that. So, St. James again says, Be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. There are many stories throughout Scripture, throughout history, of people who could have decided to sit in the marketplace, quote-unquote, or sit on the sidelines and watch the game going, and they could do all kinds of cheering and yelling and criticizing and screaming, but they can't do anything on the field. So we have to ask ourselves, if we are the men and women of this generation, are we going to receive the label of the children of the marketplace who just sit there at the coffee shop or at whatever place and talking and criticizing everyone and everything? Or are we going to be among those known as those who got up, closed their mouths more, and worked more? You know, that's why we receive two ears and one mouth. To the double the listening and to start acting on what we've heard. That's why he says, be doers, not just hearers. That's why many times the Lord has said, throughout the Gospels, throughout the book of Revelation, you've heard this many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When the Lord says, if you have ears to hear, let you hear, that doesn't mean, okay, I heard. It means, what are you going to do about what you heard? Once you've heard, you're called to take action. You're not called to sit in the marketplace anymore. The marketplace is not for the Christian. The children of Christ are not called to be children of the marketplace. And that's why when the Lord was showed, manifested, that physical manifestation of anger or disappointment, the day he was entering Jerusalem, when he entered the temple, that is supposed to be, and he called it a house of prayer to all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Why was it considered a den of thieves? Because they turned the house of prayer that was supposed to be a house of prayer to all nations into a marketplace where people sit around talking, judging, condemning, stealing, selling, cheating, doing whatever it is for themselves. Me, myself, and I. And yet the Lord has says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're not called to just sit around. If you believe you as a Christian can sit around and just wait for the second coming and expect the glory of God, you're fooling yourself. Again, these are not my words. I'm simply paraphrasing. I'm simply the parrot repeating the message. St. James says, do not be hearers only. Because if you're a hearer only, you're deceiving yourself. You've heard this story before, but it fits very importantly now. And it's a good reminder at the time of Queen Esther, during the Persian Empire, when the people of Israel were supposed to be annihilated, Queen Esther didn't know what she could do other than be queen in the palace. She had not been called in to the king at all for 30 days or so. And she didn't know what to do. Her relative Mordecai told her, listen. And I'm going to read it to you just to remember the words. This is in Esther chapter 4. Verse 12 onwards, it says, So they told Mordecai Esther's words. She said, I can't do anything. I, all I could do is wait for the king to call me. So Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart. In other words, like St. James says, do not deceive yourself. 
Do not think in your hearts that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows if you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So the men of this generation are not called to just sit there in the marketplace waiting for things to happen. Now this is not just about revolting. Okay, is this a call for revolt? Let us revolt against... When St. Athanasius revolted, quote-unquote, what did he do? When he basically defended the faith against the heresies. What did he do? Did he pick up a sword and cut people's heads off? Did he pick up weapons and call for war against the followers of Arius? They told him, the world's against you, he said, and I am against the world. But his against the world was not by weapons and warfare and physical manifestation of violence. His stand against the world was by his faith. And that's why St. John the Beloved says, and what is the victory that wins your faith? It's your faith that wins. It's by your faith. It's only through your faith. So pray about it with me today. And think about what we're called to do here. Again, St. Paul says to the Hebrews in chapter 5, we are called to not just remain children, but grow in maturity in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5, he says, we have much to say about the Lord. He says, of, we have, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. What does it mean when someone becomes dull of hearing? Isaiah spoke of dullness of hearing. And the Lord quoted the dullness of hearing. He says, oh, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Okay, good. Congratulations. You've heard it all before. What have you done with it if you've heard it all before? This is the question. At the end of time, when I stand before God, I will not be asked, how many times did you hear the message? I'll be asked, what did you do with the message you heard all those times? This is the question. So, St. Paul says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So, we are babes in Christ who just can only nurse milk, we're not able to eat solid food. When the solid food hits us, it hits us like a rock, and we get stunned or upset or angry, and we walk away. Just like the rich young ruler, who when the Lord told him, I love you, you're doing great, but there's one more thing you can do that will lead you to a higher level. And he walked away sad, he walked away sorrowful. So he says, and he goes on to say, for everyone who partakes only of milk, only of milk, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, by reason of use, what does that mean? By reason of use, by putting it into practice, by trial and error, by trying, by not sitting there in the marketplace with the rest of the immature ones, by getting up and trying, and if at first I don't succeed, I try again. Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We begin to learn how to discern. St. Paul also said in the chapter about love, 1 Corinthians 13, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. 
But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Childish things is not just toys and video games and whatever. Toys is also the childish things of immaturity. Being spiritually immature, not wanting to stand up and get up and move. Wanting to always sit there in the marketplace instead. St. Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, in malice be babes. If you want to be immature to something, be immature to the malice that exists in the world. And yet we have become completely upside down. We are very good at understanding the malice in the world, but we are babes when it comes to holiness and righteousness. It was never meant to be this way. He says you want to be immature, be immature to malice, to evil to unrighteousness, to hypocrisy, to gossip, to slander. Be immature and innocent to these things. But be mature when it comes to holiness and righteousness. Walk in the ways of Christ. He says to the Ephesians, be, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. That's why when the Lord says, unless you are converted, become as little children, cannot enter the kingdom. We are called to be imitators of God as dear children. May God enable us. He really wants to, by the way. I promise you that God really wants to do great and wondrous things with each and every one of us. He wants to take us from the marketplace of immaturity and spiritual superficiality to the arena of giants, of heroes who have fought and won for the kingdom. That's where he wants to take us from. He says, enough with the childish marketplace. It's time to become adults in the arena. Just like our Christian forefathers who went all the way in to where the gladiators were and where the lions were and were eaten alive and said, I am a Christian. Do what you want to my body. You can do nothing to my soul. We are called to go from children of the marketplace to giants of the arena. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.